we're going to pick up where we left off last week. Uh, last week we looked at um, honoring honoring God with my giving and and what 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 is the tithe. So this week we're going to look and see what I thought a tithe was last week. So this week we're going to look and see what the Bible says about a tithe. See if it's any different than what I told you last week. Maybe give you a little justification for what we're talking about. God, thank you for the day. Thank you for our time together here. Thank you for bringing us together from so many different places to this one place this morning so that we can worship you. We ask you to be, go before us in everything that we do this morning. Uh, may your presence be felt among all of us here. And when we leave here, may the things that we do be pleasing in your sight. The words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So what is tithing? As they said in the little video there, tithing means a tenth part. A tenth part. It's a word that God uses all throughout Scripture. In the Bible, God tells us that we're to give the first 10% of all we earn back to Him. Giving less than 10% then is not tithing. Giving more than 10% is more than tithing. I've always been uh, humored, I guess, in the 16 years that I was doing church business administration to get checks, you know, that we would put into our offering plates and the check would be for three dollars and it would say tithe at the bottom and from people that were like doctors or lawyers or and and you think hmm, if that's what they're making that we need to dedicate part of our budget to them because they're pretty needy people if if three dollars is ten percent of what they made that week so be sure that when we say tithe we mean tithe 10%. What's the difference between a tithe and an offering? Well, a tithe is giving the first 10% of my income, and an offering is anything in addition to that 10%. It could be a dollar over, it could be thousands of dollars over. Anything over that first 10% is considered an offering. And then we get down to the to the meat of this. Why should I tithe? Why is it that I should tithe anyway? I think there's eight reasons at least that, that I could find in the Bible for us to uh, look to as reasons that we should be tithing. The first is because God commands it. God commands it. Going all the way back to Leviticus chapter 27, it says, a tenth of all you produce is the Lord's and it is holy. A tenth of all you produce is the Lord's, and it is holy. And I guess we could stop right there, close the book, and go home. If God says a tenth of it is his and it's holy, then what else can we say to add to it? But just think about it. He could have said 90%, couldn't he? He could have just as easily said 90%. But he just said 10, 10%. And because he says it, that should be all the reason we need to obey it. But he does give us some other reasons as well. 
The second reason is this, because Jesus commended it. Jesus commended that we tithe. Not only did God command it, Jesus commended it. In fact, in Matthew 23, 23, he commends the Pharisees. Now, he doesn't do that often. As a matter of fact, this is the only place I could find in Scripture that he commended the Pharisees. Uh, and he says it has to do with their giving. He says, that's the one thing you guys are doing right. Everything else you're off base on, but in Matthew 23, 23, he says, yes, you should tithe, and you shouldn't leave the more important things undone either. So he kind of adds on to it there a little bit to let them know that they aren't doing everything just perfectly like they think. They were tithing, but obviously they, were, they weren't doing many of the other things that are called for in a good uh, sp uh, spiritual way. Why should we tithe? Number three is this. Tithing demonstrates that God has first place in my life. First place in my life. Deuteronomy 14 says this. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. Now I can say that God is first place in my life. But there's two things. I think I told you this. Two things that you can look at that will let you know for sure that God is in first place in my life. The first is my schedule, my appointment book, my calendar, and the second is my checkbook. You can look at those two things. That tells what's really first place, no matter what I say, no matter what words come out of my mouth. The way I use my money and the way I use my time indicates what really is first place in my life whether it's God or whether it's golf or whether it's uh, um, eating or whether it's uh, a finer house, whatever it might be. So maybe you ought to, as part of this exercise in your little handout there, write down what you think the two things in your life are that you would put in first and second place. Not what, what you think they should be or what you would want other people to think they should be, but what are they really? What does your appointment book and what does your checkbook say are first place? Why should I tithe? The fourth reason is this. Tithing reminds me that everything I have was given to me by, by God. Looking back at Deuteronomy chapter 8, it says, Always remember that it is the Lord your God who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Have you ever thought of that? I've heard people say, well, I made my money. Is that right? Who gave you the intellect to be able to earn that money? Who allowed you to be born in a country that's free, where you can earn your money? If it weren't for God, you wouldn't have those things. When I sit down and write out my check, it reminds me, God, everything that I have came from you. And if it weren't for you, I really wouldn't have anything. I mean, think about it. What would you have that you could say didn't come from him? That was all of your own doing. Why should I tithe? Number five, tithing expresses my love to the Lord for the blessings he's given me. 
There's this question answer in Scripture, and the question is this in Psalm 116. It says, how can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? And we find the answer again back in Deuteronomy chapter 16. It says, each of you should bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. That's how you can show, how you can repay the Lord, I guess, for the way that he's blessed you in your life. Bring a gift in proportion to the way that the Lord your God has blessed you. Why should I tithe? Number six, God says that refusing to tithe is stealing from him. Stealing from him. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? That's exactly what he says, though. Malachi 3, 8 through 10 says this. God says, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you ask, how do we rob you? And God says, in tithes and offerings, bring your whole tithe to my house. He didn't say bring half the tithe, did he? A third of the tithe? He said, bring your whole tithe to my house. And the Bible says that when I use money to pay bills that I ought to be tithing to God on, that's really robbing, stealing from God. I'm paying bills with God's money, money that's rightfully his. I'm to give it to him. Number seven, why should I tithe? Tithing gives God a chance to prove he exists and he wants to bless me. This is one of the most amazing things, I believe, uh, promises that we see in the Bible. God actually offers you and me a challenge. And he says, I dare you, test me in this. Start tithing and watch what happens. He not only makes the promise to bless you with more, but he also promises to protect what you already have. Were you aware of that? Not only to bless you as you give, but to protect what you already have. That same scripture, Malachi 3, verse 10 says, or actually starting verse 8, bring your whole tithe into my storehouse. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't have room enough for it. That's great, isn't it? There's the blessing. But look at the next sentence. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will be protected from plagues. Wow. Not only does he bless me with what I give, but he protects what I already have. God says, test me. God says, there's one way you can prove I exist. Tithe. Now why, of, of all the areas he could think of, all the areas in my life that he could have chosen as a test, why do you think he chose finances to say test me? Because we spend most of our lives revolved, revolving around money, don't we? We're either making it or, or uh, earning it or saving it or giving it or sharing it or spending it. So God's used this as the litmus test. Evidently, it's been the same way 
down through the Old Testament right to now. This money thing has always been an issue. He says, I dare you, just see if I won't fulfill the promises I've made regarding tithing. Finally, why should I tithe? Tithing proves that I really love God. That I really and truly love God. God says in John 14, 15, if you love me, do what I command. Actually, that was Jesus. says, if you love me, do what I command. And tithing is clearly commanded all the way through Scripture. Some people say, um, this tithing thing is an Old Testament law. Well, it's not. It's simply not an Old Testament law. Tithing is an Old Testament principle. In fact, tithing was established before the law was ever given. The law was given to Moses, remember? God established tithing, though, from the very first. Abraham gave tithes 400 years before Moses was ever given the law. 400 years before that. So tithing is not a part of Jewish law, Christian law. It was a life principle. Way back before the nation of Israel was ever even Israel. 2 Corinthians 8, the, one of the verses that we looked at last week, says this, I want you to be leaders also in the spirit of cheerful giving. This is one way to prove that your love is real, that it goes beyond mere words. Well, that's the whys. Now I want to look at the what. What should I tithe? What should I tithe? And I think the Bible makes it pretty doggone clear that I should tithe the first part of what I earn, not what's left over. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 9, Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income. I mean, that's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. And time after time, I've been told by, by married couples in another congregation who made this commitment right up front to tithing as part of their marriage, they would say things like, we said whether anybody else gets paid or not in our marriage, God's going to get paid first. We owe everything to him. The first check that gets written after we get paid is our tithe. I had one couple that was really tickled to death because the largest check that they wrote wasn't for their mortgage. It was for their tithe. And we've done that every year of our marriage. And God's been faithful to us. We haven't always had everything we wanted. But we have had everything we needed. God has never, ever failed us. That's the whys. That's the what. Now what about the where's? Where should I give my tithe? Where should I give it? The Bible's specific about this, too. It's amazing how specific this book is. I should tithe where I worship. I should tithe where I worship. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring your whole tithe into my storehouse. And in the Old Testament, the place of worship was called the temple. In the New Testament, it was called the synagogue and later the church. You're to bring your tithes and offerings to wherever you worship God. 
when you give to the United Way, that's a good thing to do, I suppose. But don't kid yourself. Giving to the United Way is not tithing. When you give to the ASPCA, that's fine too. But that's not tithing either. Karen and I support all kinds of groups outside of Renovation Church. We sponsor adopted children overseas. We sponsor missionaries in this place or that place. Bible uh, giving to different people's groups and, and languages that they can read. All that's fine. But that's not tithing. That's not our tithe. The Bible says that tithing goes to your place of worship, to your storehouse. What about the winds? When should I tithe? When should I tithe? 1 Corinthians 16 says, On the first day of every week, set aside some of what you have earned and give it as an offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you to earn. On the first day of the week. What was the first day of the week? Sunday. What are you supposed to do on Sunday? Well, you're supposed to go to your place of worship. That's where you're to give. You're to give at your place of worship. I think one of the most common statements that I hear people say is, you know, I just forgot to give. I've been carrying this around for three weeks. I forgot to give. Don't be a Pharisee about this. That's not part of the plan. You don't need to beat yourself up or beat somebody else up because of it. But if you make $25,000 a year and you get to the end of the year and you've given less than $2,500, that would be 10%, you know that you, you don't have to account to anybody. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell anybody else. But you do have to talk to God about it have to explain it to him. And I know what he's going to say. I said tithe. I said 10%. Teach your kids to tithe. If your kids aren't old enough to understand what 10% is, some of the adults don't understand what 10% is either, one way you can teach them is to get three little boxes and label one box, save, Label another box, give, and label the third box, spend. And your child earns, say, 75 cents. That would be easy. He gets a quarter, and he puts it in the box that says save. He takes a quarter, and he puts it in the box that says give. And he puts a quarter in the box that says spend. It's a visual way for them to see and to learn, for you to see and to learn. I don't spend all of my money. Some of it I'm going to give back to the Lord, and some of it is going into savings. Teach your children. They can begin learning this when they're two years old. It's something very simple for them to learn. And don't include your children's tithe in your tithe. Make it something that's theirs. It's real important that from the earliest of ages they learn that this money that is in my pocket, this part of it belongs to God. And our kids' ministry folks up here 
do a great job of teaching the tithing, teaching the giving, the whys and the wherefores behind giving, the motive behind it. I think I told you that they, they, they sent um, $916 or something for wells for people that don't have clean water. Just, just right after the first of the year that they had taken up in their little worship time. You know, If those kids can do it, so can you. They can understand from an early, early age what tithing is all about. Now what about attitudes? Do we give with the right attitudes? What are some of the right attitudes? The first one is this. I'm to give willingly. Willingly. You see, God's more interested in my attitude about giving than he is in the amount that I give. That's hard for some of us to understand. He's much more interested in my attitude than the amount. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says, <clears throat> For if the willingness is there, your gift is acceptable according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. First of all, did you know that sometimes what you give to the Lord is not acceptable? There, there is worship that is not acceptable to the Lord. If it's worship that's not from the heart and with the right heart motive, he won't, he won't accept it. It's according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. You see, when God looks at your giving and my giving... He's not impressed with that amount and the number of zeros you have on the check. He doesn't look at the amount you give. He looks at the amount you have left over in proportion to what you give. That's what he's interested in. Well, how much do you have left? 1 Corinthians 9 says, Each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly, or under pressure. And I want to relieve a little bit of guilt with you if you're sitting here today. Never give under pressure. Never, ever give under pressure. You're to give willingly, not reluctantly. And if you feel pressured, just tell whoever you feel like you need to tell. George said, that I wasn't supposed to give. And I'll back you up because I think this book will back you up because the Bible says if you give under pressure, it's not the kind of giving that God wants. It's not what he desires. You don't give to make a budget deficit. You give because God says, whether the church needs it or not, you're to give this to me. Got it? Don't feel guilty. Give willingly. Secondly, give cheerfully. Give cheerfully. 2 Corinthians 9 says God loves a cheerful giver. He does. He does. I saw a bumper sticker, however, that says God loveth a cheerful giver, but he accepteth from a grouch. <laughs> the Greek word for cheerful is the same word 
that we use for hilarious. Hilarious. In the New Testament church, when they gave, it was hilarious. In the modern church today, if you'll think, when you give, that's the low point in the service. Isn't it? No movement except for the plates being passed or the baskets or bags or whatever they are in that church that they pass. Solemn music. It's got to be very solemn. No one would dare say anything. It can't be when the choir sings because the choir's got to have their own platform. So we can't be taking up offering while the choir's singing. The flow of the service is kind of downward until we get to the offering time. And then preaching comes after that. It's real serious. If you can't give cheerfully, don't give at all. If you can't tithe cheerfully, what you need to work on is your attitude. How can I give joyfully when I have so many bills to pay? I hear this over and over again. How am I supposed to be joyful, cheerful in my giving when I owe all this stuff? Or whenever I don't feel too joyful about giving, and it does happen once in a while, I go back and review those six benefits of what tithing is that we looked at last week. You remember those? Tithing makes me more like God. Tithing draws me closer to God. Tithing is the antidote to materialism. Tithing strengthens my faith. Tithing is an investment in eternity. Tithing blesses me in return, and tithing makes me happy. And when I begin to think about those benefits of tithing, I start getting more joyful about doing it. It makes more sense. Give with an attitude of willingness, with an attitude of cheerfulness, and, and the third attitude, give sacrificially. Give sacrificially. Second Corinthians chapter 8 is a wonderful little chapter here that, that uh, kind of bears out what I'm saying. In this church, we believe, by the way, that the Bible is the infallible Word of God, it's the only standard that we have for our faith and for our life. So listen as I read to you from God's Word, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. There's a church, there's a church that wanted to give sacrificially way beyond what they could afford to give. And Paul knew them, and he knew the situation that they were in. But he was taking up, up a collection for the church in Jerusalem, and they so much wanted to help with this 
church in Jerusalem that was persecuted, that they gave more than they even had. That was an incredible church, the Macedonian church. Paul says they were actually begging to give. And this is the first financial principle of giving a tithe. People ask, what if I can't afford to tithe? I almost love to hear that because I love to say, I can't afford not to tithe. I don't know about you, but I can't afford not to. If you want God's blessings in your finances, you need to tithe. You need to obey what he says. So give willingly, give cheerfully, give sacrificially. And fourth attitude is give expectantly. Give expectantly. 2 Corinthians 9, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. God says it's like the, the farmer who sows seeds. And if the, if the farmer had a tough crop last year, and he has only a few seeds left to plant, does he say, oh, I can't afford to plant these seeds this year? I can't afford to do that. He's got a choice either of eating those seeds himself or planting them. If he eats them himself, he's going to have one last meal. And if he plants them, it could provide a crop for him and everyone else. God says if you want a big harvest, plant a lot. If you want a small harvest, plant a little. How you plant is up to you. But that's how you're going to reap. I'm excited to share with you some testimonies that I've received over the years. I got a couple more this week from, from people here in this church after they heard last week's message. But these are, these are some that have touched me. Um, some of these go back 20 years probably. From cards that were sent to me thanking me for talking to them about tithing. First one says this. I signed up to begin tithing this year. I had no idea how it could happen, but Friday after I signed up, I got a new job with more dollars. Praise God, it does work. The second one is this. Praise to God, after much consideration and prayer, we decided last week to increase our giving, our weekly giving to 10%, a true tithe. This week I got two job offers, one for 20% increase, one for a 40% increase. The third one says, In the past six months, I started tithing, quit drinking, joined a small group, and started listening to the Bible on my iPod. I know the Lord is moving in my life and is about to reveal His plan for my life. And the fourth one, We really have some praises. We've been tithing now, and we're overwhelmed by the things that are happening. Three months ago, our income was cut in half. But somehow, we're still even. It's a miracle. Praise the Lord. Now notice that 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2 says, On the first day of every week. On the first day of every week. And again, don't be so pharisaical about this. 
Some of you get paid once a month. I know that. Some of you um, get paid less frequent than, than that even. If you get paid once a month, you feel like you should give once a month. It's just meant as a reminder. If it's easy for you to do once a month, that's fine. That's fine, as long as the habit's there. But God might want you to be reminded more often than a month. Uh, in times that I've been paid monthly, I would take that and divide it into four and make sure I had something to put into the offering plate every week. That was probably a little pharisaical on my part. But what it reminded me was that everything that I have came from God. And I could remember it every week, not just once a month. Some of you, um, like if you're in real estate, you don't know when you're going to make a sale. You might make one huge sale and you don't make another sale for six weeks or six months or whatever it might be. How do you do that? What do you do in that case? Well, you can take a tithe, the 10% of whatever that amount is, and put it into an account. And try to figure, just estimate, again, it doesn't have to be hard, cold numbers, estimate that, I, well, I think in, within six weeks I should have another sale. So divide that amount by six and give that amount each week. If it doesn't work out that way, that's fine. You can make up for it the next time. It'll all even out. Um, it reminds you, though, each week, as you go to church or as you, as you write out your check or as you think about the week to come, that if it weren't for what God's done for you, you wouldn't have anything. The key attitude to giving is found here again in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let me read the part that we read before, and then we'll go on to verse 5, which is where you'll find this. 2 Corinthians 8. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. Verse 5. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. They gave first of themselves to the Lord. That's the key principle in it all. That's really the issue. If God owns me, if he owns my heart, then he owns my wallet. And if he doesn't own me, then he doesn't own my wallet either. I need to give first of myself to the Lord. Then I can consider how to give in terms of tithing or, or offerings or anything else on a regular basis.
Let's pray. Father, I know you love me and you want what's best for me. And the same for each of us in here. I recognize that all I have or, or ever will have, it all comes from you. And God, I'm more interested in pleasing you than I am in having possessions. Thank you for that. I want you to have first place in my life, and I'm willing to begin tithing as you have commanded. Out of gratitude for all you've done for me, for us, and in expectation that you will continue to provide for us, I ask that each person here would commit themselves to returning at least the first 10% of all that they earn, each one of us, back to you. We want to begin investing in eternity. Help us to remain faithful in this commitment, come what may. In Jesus' name, amen.